0: Deuteronomy, chapter 25, verses 17 through 19. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear, when you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God. Therefore it shall be, when the Lord your God has given you rest among or from your enemies... All around, in the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess as an inheritance, that you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. Father, thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you open up the eyes of our understanding, that we might be discerning in this day, that we might uh, see the true roots of things that are happening and uh, that we might be able, Lord, to stand firm, that our faith would be unwavering, that we would be full of faith and confidence, my God, and joy, and full of your love, my God, that we might understand clearly what you are saying in this day in the midst of the many voices that have arisen. We'll give you the praise for it. Dear Holy Spirit, teach us, show us, strengthen us, empower us, We'll give you the praise for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. You may be seated in God's presence. Several things about um, these series of verses, and that is that uh, one of the enemies of Israel, Amalek, had uh, done something very stealthily, and uh, they were very shrewd. Um, what they would do to attack Israel is they didn't go head-to-head with Israel. They would go behind the company of Israel as they were walking to their promised land, and they would attack the tired, the weary, the elderly, the young, and that was pretty devious. It's also a nasty way of doing battle. It's not honorable, you know? Uh, But, you know, if you look at the animal kingdom, you can see that that's how, for example, um, lions attack. Lions will look at the entire herd, and they'll start, start running along the herd, but they're actually looking to see and find a straggler, somebody that's less strong, somebody that's not totally connected to the herd, maybe a weaker one, an, uh, an older animal, maybe a youngling. And their goal is to find and identify uh, so that they can destroy. And that's what Amalek did. And God was saying to Israel, remember what they did to you. Never forget that. And the fact that they did not fear God. So, you know, God was very upset with that. You know, sometimes God has an attitude with stuff, stuff that we do here. Some things are just not honorable. So he said, when God has given you rest from your enemies in the land which which the Lord your God has given you to possess as an inheritance, make sure that you blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Do not forget. So that was a specific situation. It really happened, and that was a specific set of instructions that Almighty God gave his people. But the principle can be applied even today. The reason why I'm saying that is because today a similar thing is happening. The enemy has been attacking God's people in many different ways. And as I observe, as I hear some of your, your, your pain, as I hear some of your challenges, I say, wow, the enemy is very devious. And he comes at us with no honor. You know, two honorable warriors will set a place. They'll set, um, I guess, uh, the parameters. They'll even have a referee there, you know. They'll fight within a predetermined set of uh, time. And, and let's say, for example, for you... UFC enthusiasts, any UFC enthusiasts here? You liars. (laughs) All right, some hands went up, two hands went up. Well, you know, for those of you that that like sports, you'll notice they'll knock each other's block off and at the end, they'll shake their hands. If they're honorable, some aren't. But the truth of the matter is there's an honorable way and a dishonorable way to fight. And this is very dishonorable. But the the key here, and where I want to refer to as it relates to us today, is this word isolation. Isolate, simple definition, means to be placed or kept in a a situation or in a place that is separate from others. And here's the challenge. The challenge is we're a body. Say to your neighbor, we're we're a body. And here's the challenge. A body has to remain intact in order to be healthy. Any part that separates itself from the body is immediately in a process of dying. If you cut your hand right now and you place it on the floor, the hand is still alive, but it's slowly dying. Actually, pretty quickly dying. And within a couple of, I don't know, know, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 20 minutes, I don't know how long. But I know for a fact, if you leave it there, separate from the body, it will die. Right? We are meant to survive and thrive as a body. We were not meant to do it alone, to go at it alone. And here's one of the major ploys of the enemy. And, and I tell you, it's an old strategy. It's nothing new. It's new to us, though. And there's another thing that truly bothers me. I, don't, I understand how the world reacts to world events. But when the church reacts the same, that's what bothers me. Because we should have a revelation and an, un, and an understanding of things that the world doesn't understand yet. Our, our, our response should be different than the world response. Isolation also is to find and deal with something by removing other possibilities. And that's what the enemy loves to do. He loves to remove you so that there would be no other possibility of you having an answer for yourself or extra strength or extra help. He wants to get you all by yourself so there's nothing you can do. So as the same way that the lion pack sees the herd and goes after the stray ones, if you read first Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So notice what it says there. It says, Watch, say with me, watch. See, we always have to be in a position of watching. Today, you know, we look at the landscape. We look at the political landscape. Anybody here uh, hear anything about uh, the presidential elections? (laughs) Anybody? Anybody? (laughs) This is one of the most craziest election cycles I have ever seen in my life. But look at the dynamics. Look at the dynamics. (sighs) The powers that be have been able to get this nation into such a place of division where right now, just yesterday or the day before, a guy shot somebody because they are talking uh, about Trump. They're saying, no, no, that they say, oh, I'm for Trump. So they shot the guy. Where in the world did healthy debate go? It went out the window, right? (laughs) It left the nation. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, we're never going to agree on everything. That's the truth. But somewhere along the line, people in the media, people in different groups have been able to create such a hatred one way or another, that if we're on one side, you are hated. You're on the other side, you are hated. I don't have to hate you because I disagree with you. When did that become the norm? We have to be careful. We have to watch. Because we get caught up with the sweeping tide of these things. And I'm seeing that in the church. This is dangerous, people. We're always going to have differences, politically, socially, culturally. You sit down with me, I'm going to tell you I don't like some of the food you eat. And you're going to tell me you don't like some of the food I eat. Isn't that true? Some of my practices, you might not like it. I might be strong in certain areas and weak in others. And in your culture, you might be strong in the areas that I'm weak. We're always going to have differences. Say to your neighbor, I'm always going to have a disagreement with you. It's the truth. I'm married 38 years old with my wife. And we still disagree many times. But we've learned a long time ago, she has her own mind. She has her own way of thinking. I'm not going to try to sway her. I said, Hunt, what do you think about this? I can't stand it. Wow, I love it, man. Wow. All right, good. <laughs> we agreed to disagree. That's one of our favorite words in our marriage. We agree to disagree. But that's okay. You understand? But somewhere along the line, the enemy has got us to the point where we're divided to such a degree where we shame ourselves and we, uh, we, we jump on bandwagons. Listen, the truth of the matter is both of the candidates are very flawed. But we're not looking uh, for a pastor-in-chief. We're looking for a president. So the bottom line is we have to pray, seek God's uh, will, and pray that the kingdom of God and the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's our responsibility to pray, and then it's our responsibility to vote. And if we don't vote, don't complain. It's just the way it is. Somebody said, it is what it is, right? (laughs) In Spanish, we say, eso es lo que hay. And even if you vote, this, this is what it is. It is what it is. That's the, it's the same thing. It's what it is. So I, I, I look at it and I says, my God, we have to really, you know, yes, let's be passionate about it. But don't get to the place of hate because that's not where we belong. Then another thing I've noticed is that they use the word love in a wrong context. And I'm going to share, share that with you in a minute because we, we need to be careful also about that. Because love is not a free-for-all thing. Let me make it very clear, but I'll share with that, share you with that, and talk to you about that in a couple of minutes. Number one, the enemy is watching and prowling. So say to your neighbor, the enemy is watching, but he's also prowling, prowling, prowling. So so he's lurking. He is always. Remember that one-eyed monster? I'm watching, always watching. Remember that. Yeah, always watch it. It's funny, but it is true. He's always watching. So because of that, we also must watch and pray. See, it grieves me today that many Christians are not praying fervently, praying with all of their heart, praying with urgency. There are many prophetic voices that are going forth today uh, just sharing how precarious our situation really is. Some, uh, you know, we, we might call them uh, conspiracy theorists, are saying that uh, somewhere this uh, June or July, or not June, but maybe September, October, we might have one or two uh, emergency scenarios in our nation. You know, I'm not going to get into a place of fear. I'm, I'm just not. I, I'm a man of faith. So you know what I do? I prepare. I prepare, I watch, and I pray. How many of you, like I've advised you, have taken a couple of dollars and put them aside? Thank you. Good. Some of you are listening. Get a month's rent it. Do like grandma used to do. Put it in a coat somewhere. <laughs> put it under the bed somewhere. The worst thing in the world is be broke, right? Depend on the ATM machine and the ATM machine at work. Because some... Uh, I don't know, holiday happens, some bank holiday for three days, four days, or five days. Are you aware right now, right now, in August, some are saying, some politicians are saying that they might not be able to fund the EBT cards. It might take a while. That happened a couple of months ago, and people all over the United States were up in arms because the EBT cards weren't funded. What is it? It's a credit card that the government gives you. And here's the problem with the government credit card. If the government gave it, they can take it away. Man, I tell you, I don't want to be in that position. That's why I make sure I prepare some canned goods. You know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid my father used to buy milk in powder form. <laughs> I didn't know any difference. I used to take the powder, put the little milk. Sometimes I put a little more if I wanted more milky, a little less if I wanted a little, you know. I didn't It didn't make a difference. Cut some of the heavy cheese, bang! And then you know, you know, if we didn't have steak, I put some eggs and rice, little tuna fish, a couple of bananas in there. I, I was, I didn't know this was to me that it was tasting pretty good. <laughs> I, I didn't even think twice about it when I grew up. That's you know, you did that, said, yeah. And the problem is. <laughs> If I'm a little hungry now, I'll do it right now. <laughs> Listen, it's never an issue to store some stuff. It's wise. The, God looks at the ant. He says, The ant is wise. Learn from the ant. It's a mighty creature on earth. Ant's a little simple. Yeah, it's mighty. Ant thinks summer all winter long, ant thinks winter all summer long. It's always preparing in advance for any scenario. So you do the same. Be wise. Be like the sons of Issachar, who understood the times and seasons and didn't go around like, you know, like, uh, like a zombie. Emotech. Emotech. <laughs> you just, you just, how you doing? Don't be chasing after Pokemon. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I don't know. It doesn't exist. I see people running into you. Boom. Oh, man, you got in my way. I almost had the Pokemon. Man, I'd rather be working you know, and, and making a future for myself and for my family. What a waste of time. I look at that, I feel like slapping them upside. I get it together, kid! I hope none of you are chasing Pokemon Derby. if I find you chasing Pokemon Derby, you are not going to have a serious conversation. <laughs> you should be studying man you should be like, getting an education you should be preparing yourself read the words you, you know go find a wife do something good. <laughs> uh, and meanwhile the people that made that game they, they are laughing all the way to the bank. Ka-ching, ka-ching. All the, and me, I'm just sitting there. <laughs> you know, in the old days, at least they're getting outside. Because in the old days, when I when I was... I, I, I want to have fun, I would go outside. Yes. <laughs> since, since I didn't have money, I didn't have money, so I, I would either, either me or my friends would get a Spalding ball. I know I know. nowadays you don't know what a Spalding ball is. But a Spalding ball was it, man. It was... The best thing in the world. Find that, break a break a, a broom, a broomstick, make it into a bat. Put some tape around it on one side, and play stickball. If we can't find the stick ball, and um, the stick, the bat, we just go off the off the stoop. I, I know you don't know what that is. I knew what it was to make a home run just off a stoop. Yeah, you know, and if, if we would pay skelzies, you want know, skelzies, right? But do something, get out there, you know, go bowling, something. Get away from the computers. No, no, it's not helping you. Because all that stuff has agendas, and they're feeding you uh, philosophies and uh, agendas not of life. And there's certainly ne- learning nothing about God in that. Uh, contrary, you're learning about death, about killing, you're learning about things, and that stuff gets in your brain. You don't think so, but it's, it's, re, uh, it's rewiring your brain. After a while, you need it. In the old days, uh, you, you knew an addict because the addict goes, oh. but today, an addict is the one that can't get away from the computer. You said it, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't get what size it is. If you can't get off, if you're walking like this, It. Just Google it. Just Google it, and you'll see how many people I saw a lady the other day literally run into a pool. Yeah, yeah she ran right into the pool because she was looking at her phone. Yeah. Sure. And the pool had a lip on it. She went right over the lip, right into the water. I, I, I'm sorry, I wasn't there. I wish I was there. I would I would have gone as soon as she got out and go gohe. In other words, you know now, <laughs> how's that working for you? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm still God's still working on me. <laughs> First Timothy chapter two verse eight. It says, "I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath or doubting." We have to be praying today, people. I'm serious about this. I'm beseeching you, pray. Come join us on Wednesdays. I'm too busy. Get unbusy. I'm tired. Take a nap. Get to prayer. It's important we need to pray. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8. And then the second thing is we must pray to God to open the eyes of our understanding because we are at war right now. There are things that are very complicated. I I, I know that most of us don't even think about this, but there are groups of people that go to school and master human reasoning. And then they use it to market to get you to think their way, to buy their product, in essence, to brainwash you. It's complicated. It's not easy. How many of you eat a little bit of sugar every day? A little bit of sugar. You know you're addicted. And it's on purpose. They did this on purpose. They've addicted us on purpose. I'm not addicted. Try not having sugar for a day. I didn't even say a week. Try having sugar. Don't put sugar in your coffee. Don't don't buy any bread. Don't eat any spaghetti. Uh, uh, you know, and pretty much 95% of the stuff you eat on a daily basis. And you watch, you are addicted. But it's done in such a way that it's packaged so that you think it's a good thing. So that what? Happened? Cafe con leche. You have to have sugar. Like I said, you're addicted. We're all out. Most of are, so, you're right. It's true. Why do you have to have sugar? No, because, because your, your tongue was acclimated to think it's good. And they know that. So when I'm saying it, it works in every area of life. The media is brainwashing us. Uh, every, how many of you hate commercials? I've learned the secret. What I do is I I put everything on DVR and then I watch it when, you know, later on, and so I can literally skip through all the commercials. But you know what a commercial is? It's brainwashing, it's marketing, it's trying to get you to buy whatever it is they're selling. But we have to have the eyes of our understanding open because there are forces that are. Taking our faith and, and packaging it and, and classifying it and limiting it and hindering it, and in many cases shaming our faith so the media is trying to turn this uh, this nation you know against each other people forces i 'm not going to do that i 'm going to love people i 'm going to have my opinion and if you want to talk to me private i 'll talk to you about it but i 'm not going to go out there and and I hate you, you're horrible, you, how can you be this, how can you be that, how can you be on this side, how can you be on that side? That's not my job. My job is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. My, my, my job is to disciple someone, to share with them the word of God, to help them to grow in their faith. In Acts chapter 26, verse 17. The apostle said this, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I will send you now. To open their eyes. Notice it says to open their eyes. I thought they see already. No, but there's another set of eyes. It's called the eyes of their understanding. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. God was telling the apostles, see? So there are, uh, uh, there are two sets of eyes. One of them is the eyes of your understanding. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding, there it is, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Last Thursday, I was in a prayer meeting, and Pastor Pura was sharing. When she was much younger, uh, she used to uh, joke about, you know, Christians, right? And now she's one of them, and she's there, she's ministering. You know, it's it's interesting. When your eyes are darkened, you will see Christians as crazy folk. When the eyes of your understanding are are opened, you go, Oh my God, they're redeemed of the Lord. They're people who God loves, who are forgiven. And what they're doing, lifting up their hands and worshiping, that is not crazy. That's precious, right? But the eyes of your understanding have to be enlightened. Romans 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful so... Uh, they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. You see, so today, much of what you see is because the eyes of people have been darkened or the eyes of their understanding. So they don't know what they're doing. Why do you think Jesus on the cross said, forgive them, Father, because they know not what they're doing. Why do you think Stephen said the same thing? Forgive them. They, they do not know what they're doing. See? So I, I can't be angry at them. I have to be angry at the spirit that's motivating them. I have to pray God's mercy for them. They don't know what they're doing. They really believe it at the moment. And you know uh, the hate you're seeing all throughout the world, people blowing themselves up. Just the other day uh, in France, uh, one or more people went right up in the church, stabbing people and literally made the priest bow on his knees and killed him right there. Is that something that a logical person would do? The eyes of their understanding have been darkened. They're filled with a a hateful spirit. They don't know. When God would open up the eyes and go, oh my God, what have I done? And it's happened to countless extremists that have, uh, you know, come to saving faith in Christ. Every, I have done atrocities. I'm so sorry. I'll spend the rest of my life preaching forgiveness and love. And yeah, there's some of them today that are preaching the gospel. Some of them, angels have literally gotten in the way. Stop. And they've had angelic visitations, signs, wonders. I pray that every day for them, that God would open up the eyes of their understanding. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. We must get back to biblical love. God loves us with an eternal love. That is true. However, love is not a license to do whatever you want to do, even though it might destroy your family or neighbor. I love, you know, you love, somebody says, love trumps all. That's a political statement now. Love trumps all. And they're using it, you know, one camp against the other, right? Not all love. We have to be very careful. Look what the word says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. See, so God is saying that there are some actions, some things that we're not to celebrate. I can't say I love you, so do whatever the heck you want. Anything you want, just do it. No, if you're a good parent, you're going to take the correa, the chancleta, right? Or several other choice things, and you're going to tell the, the child, to say, I love you, and because I love you, I am going to tar and feather you, if you continue that. Oh, yeah, so, you know, figuratively speaking, of course. Yeah, oh no, that's, that's child abuse. I came out okay. And I remember I was very acquainted with this. But today, you know, kids are showing a lot of disrespect. It's because even from the home, we're not teaching them this level of respect. In the old days, first and foremost in school, my teacher would let me have it. She'd take me by the ear up to the office. Then my mom would come with the correa in hand, you know what the correa is, this is the correa, the belt, and I'd get a couple right there, and then she'd take me home and says, wait till your father comes home. That was it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. That's it. So I, I was re- relegated to begging. <laughs> no, but the truth of the matter is, because of that healthy fear, the healthy fear, I did better. I watched, I didn't get into trouble as I should have. I would have there was that, 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 that hand that protected me, that guarded me. There was that love that told me, you're wrong. Sometimes love has to be tough. So they're preaching a love out there. Says do whatever you want. It's all right. It's all good. No, it's not. If you're, if you're running off the cliff, if I love you, I'm going to stop you. And there's some people running off a cliff. We're saying, don't, don't. Oh, well, don't tell me. You're, not, you're, you're being hateful. You're being this. You're being that. And they run right off the cliff. No, the truth of the matter is, love will compel you to be truthful. Love will compel you sometimes to stop them in there It says, I love you. The way you're going is going to destroy you. I know I'm not getting many amens for that. But that's the truth. And you know, sometimes you'll be separated from the best of friends because you chose to love them and to be honest with them, to be open with them. I told one young minister not so long ago. He says, listen, I don't agree with you with what you're doing. I think it'll hurt you. He got offended. And he thought about it for two to three weeks. He came back to me. He says, you know, when you told me that, I was offended. But then when I ruminated and I thought about it, I meditated on it, I realized, I says, you know, he's saying this because he loves me. And he came back to me and he appreciated it. But it took him a while. And before I even spoke to him, I says, I might lose this friendship. see? So our love sometimes understands that we might even lose someone for a short time. But we have to be honest and open with them. Praise God. You'll understand what I'm talking about sooner or later. And number four, we must join the pack. Say with me, we must join the pack. See, the enemy would seek to separate us from the rest of the brethren where there is safety. There are some people at home right now because they're offended. There are some people right now that are going through a fight of their faith and they are, are weary and they're home. They should be in church. I'm not talking about this church only. I'm talking about all, all over. Talk about all over, and they don't come for three weeks, four weeks, and you call them, "How you doing? Is everything?" Yeah, I'm okay. I've been busy, but in truth, they're isolated. They've been alienated from that which gives them life. And here's where we come in. We, the packs, you know, we're the, we're the pack. And we seem separated from the pack. We need to reach out to them. Uh, is everything okay? Yeah, everything okay. I don't know. I'm going to go visit with you. You need to come this Sunday. I'm busy. I'll go pick you up. We need to insist sometimes. because it's just a battle that they're having, having right? And then when they open up, forget about it. You sure you're... you're Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> They start telling everything that's going on. Yeah, because it's in there, and they didn't know that, you know, sometimes sharing it would be the best thing. Sometimes you just got to come together with the pack and pray together, and, 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 and you have to find a friend in the kingdom. Somebody that won't out you, somebody that will hear your challenge and, and pray with you. That, that's not easy. Don't just talk your, not, your, your stuff to everybody because they won't respect you. Talk your business to someone that's tried and true, that's going to help you. Somebody that'll stir you upward, not take you down. I'm going through this. Oh, well, <laughs> let me tell you something. We're all going through that. No problem. Let's go have a couple of drinks. That's not the person you want to hang out with. You, you, you want to be there with a friend that, that's going to be there with you and during that, that pain, that process, pray with you and, and talk with you and talk truth to you. And then you have to be willing to hear truth. That's the other problem. Today, I don't know what has happened. Christians today are so flaky. You tell them the truth. Oh, I mean, we need to learn to take some stuff. The ones that, that have mentors are the ones that go into greatness. Why do you think anybody that's going to be a champion has a series of mentors? Because they understand it's going to take them upward. When you open up your spirit and you say, you know, okay, talk to me. You know, I, I, what do I need? Well, first and foremost, you need uh, to work on your disciplines. All right, well, let's, let's work on one. In other words, be open to, to, to someone who knows what you don't know. Hang out with people that have a greater disciplines than you do. For you, it might be getting to places on time. For another, it might be prayer. For another one, it might be you're just, you're just lazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah sometimes you're just lazy. Uh, lazy is uh, it's something you've got accustomed to. You're, you're, you're accustomed to ease. There's no way on this earth that in this place of ease you're ever going to prosper. Every single person that is successful works hard, works harder, longer, studies, I mean constantly reading books. One of the biggest lies you'll ever find is when they come up to you, oh yeah, I have a product for you, you can work less, you don't have to do anything, just put in three hours a week and you'll be rich. If you believe that, I have a bridge I want to sell you. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, success is hard work. I want to be a champion, all right? Then get yourself up at 4.30 in the morning, start jogging, and get yourself to uh, the place of exercise at 5.30, and do exercise till 7.30, and, and study, and go to school, and get your degree. I mean, it's hard work. But at the end of the day... You'll make a difference for your life. Just the way it is. How we say? It is what it is. So don't listen to the lies. The truth of the matter is we need to join the pack, and you need to hang around with people that are going to take you upward. How many of you are in some form of prayer group, some form of small group? How many of you are are right now uh, praying on a regular basis with somebody? How many of you are studying the Word with somebody on a regular basis? Amen, amen. So if you're not there yet, get in one. Connect yourself. Be consistent in that. I tried that. One time I did that in 1999. Yeah. And what did you do in the year 2000? In other words, be continual in it. Consistent in that. Don't ever give up. Be part of the pack. Say to your neighbor, be part of the pack. Because if you're not part of the pack, you're all alone. And then the enemy will pick you off. And you won't have anybody to fight with you. Two are better than one, and a three-fold cord cannot quickly be broken. Hallelujah. He seeks to separate us from our faith. He seeks to separate us from others in the faith. He seeks to separate us from our spiritual disciplines. What are the spiritual disciplines? Prayer, reading of the word, coming to church consistently. You know, the fasting, the, you know, the, the disciplines that we need. Worship is another thing. Everything that gives you life and strength, he wants to separate you from that. I'm too busy. Too busy for what? What are you too busy for? So if you're too busy, what are you doing? What is giving you life? You understand? A person that usually says, I'm too busy, that's just an excuse it's 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 a smoke and mirror type thing the truth of the matter is they've exchanged their priorities for something else something else has become important and unfortunately most of the stuff that we fight for in life that we enjoy and spend time in in life has no spiritual eternal significance whatsoever so join the pack be in prayer be part of a small group Be consistent in church services. Be consistent in church life. Do something. Get involved. It's not enough to just sit down. I spoke uh, the other day to a young lady, and she was sharing with me how she went to a very large church. I'm not criticizing churches, by the way. I'm just saying. This is what she told me. She went to a very large church, and because of that, she uh, now just most of the time just sits. So come to the service, but she's not active, and she sort of misses the times when she was active in church life. You know why that's important? Because when you're active in church life, you're praying to God to give you wisdom, you're studying the word, you're, 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 you're helping others. That's very important. We were not made to just have people give us stuff. We were made to help and to bless and to be part of a team because we're a body. I love what we're doing here on Wednesdays, for example, because the body preaches. It's not me doing all the preaching and teaching. Like last week, Sister Cynthia, she taught a Excellent, excellent study. Yeah. We're getting good word on Wednesdays. And little by little, that will continue to become uh, a strong service. I want it to be the strongest service, the prayer service. Yeah. And then I'm just praying to God for the right time, the right season, to start, to start a Spanish service. That's the right time, we're going to do that. Little by little, this building has got to be used for the glory of God. Amen? And then the fifth thing is we need to shore up our rear guard shore up or strengthen our rear guard. That's the back part. When you're marching, that's the the part in the back. Those at the last, the fringes. Because the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. So we have to stand firm against him and be strong in our faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. So they're people. It's not just about us. I need to watch for me. You know, I need to do me. No. We need to do us. We need to protect each other. If you're okay, excellent. Help somebody else. Look. The enemy's problem, so you look also. I didn't see brother so-and-so. I didn't see sister so-and-so. What can I do? You understand? We need to be concerned not just only about ourselves. That's selfish. We need to be concerned of others also. We need to strengthen the rear guard. Notice what he says. The, the verse says, that he's prowling. He's watching actively engaged to try to destroy somebody. Right now, the enemy is trying to destroy somebody in this church. He's prowling right now. He's, tr- he's planning to destroy children. He's planning to destroy marriages, families. He's planning to destroy ministries. He's planning to destroy communities. Right now, he's prowling. Well, you can prowl on Sunday. Sunday's church time. He doesn't care. He prowls Monday 3 in the morning. He prowls Wednesday at 3.30 while you're in a meeting in business in in your office. How inconvenient it is that he should prowl while I'm in an office meeting. There should be normal hours. He should have like 8 to 4 Monday through Friday. hey. Then it says that he's looking for someone. Notice, that's singular. He didn't say he's looking for a pack. He's looking for someone. So we have to be concerned for our church family, especially if you've seen them change in their habits. Before, they were very excited, and now they're, you know, yeah, how you doing? Uh, uh, read into that because there's some stuff happening. They just don't know how to share it at the moment. And it says, stand firm in the faith. Firm means firm. You know what firm means in the Greek? In the Greek, firm means firm. (laughs) In other words, unmovable, unshakable. The enemy comes at you, stand firm. This wishy-washy thing, yeah, no, no, I'm here, no, I'm here, I'm there. No, no, no. A wavering person, a two-minded person never gets anything. We have to be firm in our faith. Then it says, be strong in your faith. Firm and strong in your faith. Faith has a connotation, not just of a singularity, but also of a family, a church family. So in the faith, in the faith of the family, in the faith of the church. So we have to be strong for me. We have to be strong for we. So say, neighbor, I have to be strong for you. Praise God. Family of believers. Family of believers. Notice it said, family of believers. The family of believers all over the world is experiencing the same thing. So it's not just you. Oh, you don't understand. The enemy's been after me all week. Family of believers, not just you. You're going through a struggle. Guess what? So are they. So are we. We're all going through a struggle. Now that ought to open up somebody's eyes right there. They're so busy in your thing, you don't understand. They're going through their thing also. Some people get offended because nobody's coming to their thing, and meanwhile, they don't understand it's because they're going through their own thing. I'm not going to go back to that church. Why? Because nobody called me up. For for two weeks, nobody called me. Yeah, well, why didn't you call somebody? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) We want it always to be about us. And again, that's selfish. And the last point, are you weary right now? There's so many right now that are weary. You're weary because you've been fighting. You're weary because you, you, you know, you're overwhelmed, and that's the way the enemy wants it. He wants to overwhelm you with many things, not just one thing. He wants to overwhelm you from the north, the east, the south, and the west. The word vex and torment means come at you from all angles so that you are you, you tire out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Notice how, the, uh, how a lion and his pride will come. Uh, or usually the lion himself is just resting. It's, it's the ladies that go do the chasing. Yeah. From from what <laughs> National Geographic tells me. You know? Well, you know, they start running. They start catching up. They do a little jog. And then they see, you know, a specific one. They talk to him. Hey, Joe. Hey, Harry. Larry. You know, whoever. Matilda. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they call themselves. So, but they go and they... they they hone in on one, and then they start running. They start running. And then that thing starts, wait, wait, let's say it's a gazelle. It starts jumping up and hopping and running all over the place. But they keep at it, running, 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 until they tire it out. It goes to the left. The other part of the pack goes that way. goes to the right. The other part of the uh, pack goes that way, until they have nowhere to go. Or they just simply get tired and give up. And that's it. Met its Demise. That's how the enemy tries to get us to a point where anywhere we go, anything we do, since we're all alone now, we don't have the strength of the brethren. We're tired. We're weary. Are you coming to the event? Ah, oh, no, no, I got I to rest. It's not that you got to rest. They have no energy, no spiritual energy, no joy anymore. The joy has been zapped. It's hard to go to church when you have no joy Sometimes. My God, my God. Matthew 9, 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because Jesus saw them as weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Got it? He had compassion. And right now he has compassion on us. Because many of us are weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And that's where the compassion of Almighty God flows through us. If we're praying and seeking God, not only does he strengthen us, but he also gives us compassion for the rest of the flock, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So when we see a situation, it won't be a problem for us. It's inconvenient. I really can't do it. No, you, you won't think twice. See? We have to. Compassion moves me. Compassion compels me. You have the same spirit in you. You have the spirit of Christ in you. So where's the compassion? It should move you. I come to church on Wednesday to pray because it moves me. I got to tell you, Wednesday, I I didn't want to come. My flesh was saying, oh, come on, take a break, dude. I said, shut up. (laughs) Yeah, I tell my flesh, shut up. You're going and that's it. Thursday, I was supposed to go to a prayer. Guess what? It starts raining. And my wife has a car in Pennsylvania. Man, I'm not going to be able to go. I'm going to have the motorcycle. I'm not going to go in the rain in a motorcycle. But, I, but that thing is gnawing at me. It's just, I got I to gotta make it to prayer. We're praying for police officers. We're praying for community. We're praying for, for the political, uh, the, you know, the, the elections. And these are different pastors coming. We, I, I don't know. So I kept on looking, I kept on looking, and, and I saw a little break, a little break in the weather. So I, I, I put in the motorcycle, uh, you know, covers for me, the, just in case. You know, it didn't rain anything, nothing. didn't rain at all. Uh-huh. I went, got, got to church, and as soon as I got there, it says, you're praying for the city. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, they were waiting for me. They were expecting me there. Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm at home. Ah. Should I? Shouldn't I? Yes, no. Maybe. I was going through a battle there. But but compassion compels, moves me. I've got to do this. Not just for me. It's not just for me. It's for them too. But it's inconvenient. Shut up. Yes, it's inconvenient. The other day, one of our dear brothers, Brother James, he got hurt. Man, why didn't you go, like, there's so many hospitals close to where I live. Why did you have to go to New Rochelle? Man, that's so inconvenient. I'm going to have to fight that Bronx traffic, that New Rochelle traffic. Man, shut up. You've got to go and that's it, man. That's your brother. <laughs> you understand? I'm just trying to be real with you. The most inconvenient things are the ones that are going to bring the most grace and the most love, most salvation, the most ministry. Hallelujah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love is inconvenient. I know what I'm talking about. Yesterday I went to our house up in Lancaster. My, my wife is, is over there and you know, she's been there all week. It takes, you know, does that in the summer. It takes a couple of weeks and fixes the house and does, you know, because she can and I can't because I'm working during the week. So I went there Saturday, shoo, day off. Okay, hon, we got to do this, we got to do that. You know the honey-do list? <laughs> she gave me the honey-do list. You know, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Yeah, things have. You own you, you, a home, you have to work. And you know, we have to roll up our sleeves. I went on vacation two weeks ago. You know what I did? I rolled up my sleeves. You have to do stuff. You have to work. But you know, it's inconvenient. But I don't think twice about it. Because this is for us. It, it's just the way it is. Those that are always inconvenienced and never do anything will never have any, anything significant happen in their life. You want a great job? Yeah, great job. Okay, go to school. It's inconvenience. You want a supervisory job? Yes. Okay. Here's the job. Now you're gonna have to get up earlier. You have to go to sleep later. You're gonna have to hire and fire people. You're gonna have to uh, bring correction to people, right? You're gonna have to be responsible to the board of directors, huh? Inconvenience. <laughs> these these are the type of messages that people they get offended at me for at least two weeks. Then after a while, when they realize that, they have to forgive me anyway. You have no choice. <laughs> then you get over and say, all right, fine, fine, all right. Galatians 6.9 says this, let us not get tired of doing what is good. And at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Ephesians 3.20, it says, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. You can overcome these things. Because you have him, the greater one, doing exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And the last verse, and with this I close, Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That does not mean that I could do everything. Because he doesn't call us to do everything. But everything that he calls me to do in my sphere of influence, with my abilities, and the way he created me and formed me, with the ministry he's given me, I can do all things. Because Paul, before that, he says, I know how it is to be poor. I know how it is to have abundance. In all things, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God's not calling you to do everything, but he is calling you to do something. So the enemy would try to put you in a place of isolation. He would try to put you in a place where you do nothing. Well, at least I'm not harming anybody. Yes, you are harming. Let me explain why. If my hand refuses to serve me, how can I eat breakfast? How can I wash? How can I work? You understand? If if my nose refuses to do what it's supposed to do, how am I going to breathe properly? If my tongue decides to just fall asleep while I'm awake, how am I going to communicate? You understand? You as a part of the body, when you refuse to do your stuff, somewhere along the line, we, we all suffer. So you need to reject isolationism. You, you need to reject that, that, that battle you're going through where you, you say, I'm just going to give up. No, no time to give up. No, no. The soldiers know they could be out there for a year and they could say, in two weeks, you're going back to the United States. You're going to get a month off or two weeks off. And one day before, they could say, sorry, canceled. You need to spend another six months. And they know this. And even though they don't like it, they're, they're with it. They say, okay, fine, we have to do this for the benefit of our nation, for the benefit of this community that we are helping. Same thing with us. Oh, good, I did that. And suddenly I call you to do something else. Oh, oh. How is it that you do it? Oh, oh. <laughs> That's how he imitates people who, you know, always complain. Oh, oh. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes God will take you above your comfort level. And it's always at the place of your comfort level that you get to the next point of revelation and the next point of strength. In a movie, Overcoming the Giants or something like that, um, what's the name of it? Facing the Giants. There was one scene where uh, they're just joking and they're playing and the coach is trying to get this, this motley crew of young men to be a strong football team. And he says, okay, you, come here. You're strong, right? Yeah, I'm strong. Okay. Get on all fours. All right. Now, I want you to do all fours from one side to the 50th, from zero to 50 on the football field, right? And he said, uh, that's hard. He says, but well, you could do it. I believe in you. How long have you got? I've only gone to like 25 or the 30th yard. Okay. You're going to do it. Here's a blindfold. Puts a blindfold on. Now, Come here a second. He had a young man lay on his back, backward like that. And they strapped arms. He said, now start. It's it's like a crawl, a specific crawl that they do. And, you know, now he's got somebody. Now all the kids are looking and says, you know, our coach has gone crazy. There's no way he's going to go to the 50-yard line. So he says, okay, start. So he starts. He starts. Five-yard line. 10-yard line. Oh, coach, this is heavy. This is hard. You can do it. I believe you. I believe you. 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, 80, 80. I can't. You can do it. Come on. He went all the way from one side to the other. But he didn't know because he was blindfolded. And he had somebody on top of him. And he just drops when the coach said, okay, he drops. He takes the, you know, the blindfold off. He says, look where you're at. He looked. All the guys stood quiet, pensive, and they got the message. Truly, we can do a lot more than what we even realize when we're willing to allow ourselves to be put in that pressure and say, yes, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So in our walk with God, it's the same thing. The enemy comes out of it, oh, I can't do it. Yeah, you can. Not only that, you can defeat the enemy because he's already a defeated foe. All we need to do is walk with God, trust God. Stand in our faith. Be determined. Not allow weariness to overtake us. Because many times weariness is just a mindset. We can do it.